Welcome. This is Michael Volkoff, and this is episode 66 of Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Our episode today is about gifts, meals, entertainment, and travel, compliance, and best practices, or GMET. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining me today on Corruption, Crime, and Compliance, a podcast focused on the legal and compliance industry. Before we get started, two points. First, uh, please rate and uh, subscribe to our podcast and leave some comments so that other um, compliance professionals can find uh, the podcast and hopefully help and link together an important community. Uh, second, uh, I wanted to mention the services we offer at the Volkoff Law Group in the anti-corruption area. We provide ethics and compliance services to ensure compliance with the FCPA, the UK Bribery Act, and other applicable anti-corruption laws and regulations. We've collaborated with companies large and small in a variety of industries to design, enhance, and implement effective anti-corruption compliance programs. We can help you design and implement effective anti-corruption strategies, assess existing policies and procedures in relation to the company's risk profiles, recommend improvements to programs including third-party due diligence procedures, vendor-supplier risk management, invoice-to-payment processes, training programs, gifts, meals, entertainment, and travel expenses, merger and acquisitions, charitable gifts, and hiring of foreign officials' relatives. We also conduct risk Uh, and compliance program assessments, and detailed testing and audit projects. If interested, please contact me at mvolkoff at volkofflaw.com. Well, I'm glad today we can turn to gifts, meals, entertainment, and travel uh, expenses. And uh, the first question is, why are we focusing on this issue? And I guess the, the way I look at this is, Bribery requires money or other things of value, and gifts, meals, entertainment, and travel or GMET expenses are a source for funding bribery and other illegal activities. And company controls here are really important to prevent the misuse of funds. Uh, The risk of an FCPA prosecution based solely, solely on such expenditures is low. However, What uh, I have seen is that weak GMET controls uh, create a culture and sort of foster an environment in which bribery, kickbacks, and other financial misconduct can occur. So uh, chief compliance officers need to prioritize their risks and uh, their resources here. And the government, the Justice Department and the SEC and its guidance has uh, issued a, a warning in terms of your time spent on GMET has to be uh, commensurate with the risk. Uh, Devoting a disproportionate amount of time policing modest entertainment and gift-giving instead of focusing on large government bids, questionable payments to third-party consultants, or excessive discounts to resellers and distributors may indicate that a company's uh, compliance program is ineffective. And they, they actually cite in the guidance a specific example. A $50 million contract with a government agency in a high-risk country warrants greater scrutiny than modest and routine gifts and entertainment. So there are legitimate and obviously legitimate needs for gifts, meals, entertainment, and travel. Uh, we promote, we use this, the business uses this to promote cordial relationships, and that's an important part of business development, particularly in certain cultures like China and other places. 
Uh, and we've got to apply what I call the appropriate uh, GMET principles. Those include that we're open and transparent about uh, our gifts, that we accurately record them on the books, and that we make sure that they're motivated by a desire to show esteem or, and or gratitude versus corrupt intent, which means to improperly influence the recipient to do something contrary to their official duties. And the government's focus is on corrupt intent, and they gain that corrupt intent uh, inference from the size and the purpose of the expenditure and whether or not there's accurate recording of the expenditure on the corporate books. Remember, under, in the FCPA, there's an affirmative defense for reasonable, and, and this is a very important uh, affirmative defense, reasonable and bona fide expenses that are directly related to the promotion, demonstration, or explanation of a company's products or services, or are related to a company's execution or performance of a contract with a foreign government or agency if the expenditures are mischaracterized in a company's books or records or unauthorized, those payments then can violate the FCPA's accounting provisions. So uh, if there's a mischaracterization of expenditures, that can be cited as evidence of corrupt intent. So how do we define the extremes? And we have the extremes, and frankly, the harder issues are what's between the extremes. But let's start with the extremes. On the one side, we have nominal uh, expenditures. And on the other side, we have lavish. Nominal items, by definition, are not intended to improperly influence the recipient. So uh, the Justice Department has cited cab fare, company promotional materials, pens, caps, uh, t-shirts. La the larger and more extravagant the item becomes, the more likely it indicates an intent to improperly influence. A fur coat, armored Mercedes-Benz, or widespread gifts of smaller items as part of a pattern of bribes. Those have got to be looked at. So traditionally, how gifts, meals, entertainment, and travel expenses have worked uh, is that usually the oversight responsibility is siloed. Compliance set up, sets up limits and approval requirements. Managers sign off on paper. Finance verifies the approvals and the limits and, and the verification that, that the person seeking the money uh, had the proper approvals before incurring the expense. But compliance has typically not had an insight into patterns, uh, and they usually are reactive in that a person may consistently exceed limits or not follow procedures, and then they'll find out about it. But compliance needs insight into the details of these expenditures. Who's receiving the expenses? Who's being taken out? Who's being taken, given meals or gifts or entertainment, taken for, you know, to see a game or things like that? Employees are not asked normally for details. Who attended a meal? What's the business purpose? Um, and, you know, what position does this person hold, let's say, in the, in the government, for example. The other thing is that the government has, uh, the U.S., uh, the Justice Department and the SEC have set out safe harbors. So there's certain safe harbors that we know about, like entertainment and drinks at a bar for prospective customers, so long as it's moderate, is fine. A wedding gift, let's say, of a crystal vase, moderately priced to a foreign official, uh, or, you know, for, a, let's say, a relative who's getting married or for the foreign official 
him or herself who's getting married. Travel, lodging, and meal expenses of foreign officials, for, for example, for a two-day trip to the United States to learn about services of a U.S. adoption service provider. Uh, stipends uh, to reimburse minimal travel expenses of local government-affiliated journalists in China who attend press conference in a foreign country can be okay uh, as well, depending upon how it's structured. So what are our sources for defining the terms here and looking for the guidance? I've mentioned the FCPA guidance from November 2012, the opinion uh, release procedures and the opinion releases, um, and otherwise, we're sort of uh, struggling with lavish versus modest, reasonable versus unreasonable. But the safe harbors that I've mentioned, and there are others, can provide uh, some help. Um, in one particular example, uh, the FCPA guidance provided a very helpful safe harbor where the company paid for foreign officials and employees. This was a hypothetical, including business class fare. Uh, to fly to their facility uh, for purposes of training and inspections of the products that were being made by the U.S. company. Uh, while there, they went to dinner, they attended a baseball game and a play during a several-day visit, but most of the, and the daytime was spent doing work and uh, learning and attending presentations. That type of structure can work, and we have to be careful about how we do that. But that example provides helpful principles when we're, when we're looking at navigating this area. Some violations and clear, uh, mar sort of clear uh, defining uh, lines uh, in terms of things that are lavish. We have a trip, for example, a $12,000 birthday trip for a government decision maker that included visits to wineries and dinners. Uh, a $10,000 spent on dinners, drinks, and entertainment for a government official. A trip to Italy for eight Iraqi government officials that consisted primarily of sightseeing and included $1,000 in pocket money for each official. A trip to Paris for a government official and his wife that consisted primarily of touring activities via a chauffeur-driven vehicle. All of those are examples of lavish spending that's going to be uh, problematic. But here are some more uh, safe harbors, and here are some more examples on the, on, the on the plus side. Domestic travel, lodging, and meal expenses of six foreign officials for a four-day educational and promotional tour of a U.S. company's site. Travel, lodging, and modest per diem expenses of five foreign officials to participate in a nine-day study tour of mutual insurance companies. Travel, lodging, meal, and insurance expenses for 12 foreign officials and one translator on a 10-day trip to three U.S. cities to meet with U.S. public sector officials, all business-related. Seminar expenses, including receptions, meals, transportation, and lodging costs for one-and-a-half-day comparative law seminar on labor and employment law in foreign country. These are examples of uh, opinion letters that were ultimately rule, ruled to be okay. Now, here's uh, an example of a problem uh, situation that ultimately was part of a resolution of settlement. The SEC's case uh, against United Technologies, which was settled this year, 
uh, involved a $13.9 million penalty for uh, bribery and improper payments and books and records violations relating to Pratt Whitney and Otis Elevator subsidiaries. Pratt Whitney's uh, Chinese sales agent there, this is part of the facts, not the entire driving of the facts, arranged a two-day golf event for state-owned airline executives, along with an alleged nine hours of business meetings. Um, Pratt and Whitney also contributed $30,000 to pay for the event. Uh, The agenda that was submitted uh, and reviewed by internal legal and compliance staff for the business meetings turned out to be false. And the agent also gave executives expensive gifts uh, that was done without proper approval, which included iPads and luggage to all the executives. Um, In addition to this, uh, the activities of this Chinese sales agent with the Chinese state-owned airline executives UTC, uh, United Technologies, also funded leisure travel and entertainment for foreign officials from various countries, including China, Kuwait, South Korea, and Pakistan, Thailand, and Indonesia. And the employees there circumvented a requirement that UTC Legal review all travel and entertainment expenses under its gifts policy. And they submitted travel for foreign officials without disclosing the leisure and entertainment portion. So, for example, from 2009 to 2015, Pratt provided improper entertainment and leisure travel for up to five South Korean Air Force officials on seven occasions. Uh, The South Korean uh, Air Force was purchasing aftermarket spare parts and repair services from Pratt, and Pratt was seeking to convert these into long-term contracts. So here, not only do we have Um, failure to follow proper procedures, but we also had uh, these uh, entertainment uh, or trips being arranged at the time that there was a pending contract or pending solicitation to try to get uh, certain business uh, from the Korean Air Force. The leisure travel was provided with little uh, to no required review, and then uh, on occasion when legal did review the contracts, legal failed to identify the sponsored travel issues and FCPA risks. And Pratt supervisors who were aware of this failed to note that the destinations for the travel were for tourist locations, as usual. Anytime you see Orlando, Florida, like in this case, where uh, this is where they sent some of the officials, Pratt did not have any facilities in Orlando, Florida, and you can guess what that was for. Uh, most of the trips included a senior Air Force official who attended one meeting and then spent the remainder of the trip, like 10 days, enjoying leisure activities. Uh, Pratt spent over $26,000 on entertainment and leisure travel for the officials. We had another example recently in the Stryker case, uh, and that was in 2018. Uh, Stryker was a recidivist, second-time offender, uh, included books and records and internal controls violations resulting in uh, bribery payments made to private and public physicians and hospitals. In Kuwait, they cited a specific example. Over a two-year period from 2015 to 2017, the Kuwait distributor made over $32,000 in improper per diem payments to Kuwaiti healthcare professionals to attend Stryker events despite the fact that Stryker paid the costs for lodging, meals, and local transportation for these individuals, which was proper so long as it was a healthcare professional's meeting here. 
Um, but Stryker failed to implement policies also to test or otherwise assess whether the Kuwait distributor uh, would let them audit uh, their expenditures. But here, the, 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 the GMET problem, the GMET problem was that the distributor was paying for ex so-called expenses, and so was Stryker uh, paying those same expenses. So it was obviously a way to circumvent all the limitations and give them money. So um, we've talked about uh, how you sort of have these two extremes uh, and how you have uh, uh, problem areas that can come up. Um, there's some good principles that have come out of the opinion release procedures, uh, and these principles uh, are pretty, you're going to hopefully be familiar with theirs, these, but these are really good principles when you're looking at gifts, meals, and entertainment expenditures. Um, and you're bringing government officials, for example, to the United States to, or to some other location to look and inspect facilities or uh, inspect products uh, and also to do type of training. So, number one, you do not select the particular officials who, are, who will participate. Um, you can set merit-based type criteria, but usually it's better to let them uh, select the particular officials who will participate. Pay all costs directly to travel and lodging vendors uh, and or uh, I'm not as happy with reimbursing costs with a receipt. Um, do not advance any funds. Uh, any stipend that you do give, it's, uh, I'm not that happy about using stipends, but it make sure it's a reasonable approximation of, a, of reasonable cost. Make sure all payments are tra transparent, both within the company and to the foreign government. Do not condition payment of expenses on any action by the foreign official. Obtain written confirmation that payment of the expenses is not contrary to local law and accurately record the expenses in the company's books and records. These are all good principles to follow. So you want to have clear and accessible guidelines and processes in place for your expenses. Um, and you want to have a prospective gifts, meals, entertainment, and travel expense review policy. You should have threshold amounts set for senior manager review or even if it gets higher to legal and compliance. It's best to have a web-based approval system with clear limits and annual ceilings on gift giving or entertainment. Um, and you want to have some notification, and we're going to talk about autom automation in a minute, notification of compliance or legal staff to have them approve sort of unique requests that come up. Um, and you want to try to maintain a database. A lot of people use Concur, obviously, for reimbursement, and they keep track of this. But remember, that's more of a retrospective approach. But that keeps a rec you can keep records of expenses and requests by persons and government officials. But a lot of people do use Concur for that reason. Um, so your uh, and your goal of your controls in this area is to uh, review and approve pro in advance any payments that may may indicate a risk of bribery. Um, and your procedure is designed to negate corrupt intent, to act like a law-abiding company. Most cases can be resolved on a routine basis. You want to have documentation of any good faith analysis. 
uh, build in advice of counsel through emails and keep records and make sure that you have a system that keeps track of how many interactions, how many uh, gifts are given by, by one person to another, who the recipient is, um, the purpose of the gift or the meeting, uh, the amount, and you want to have make sure you have documentation of all of that. Now, one of the most difficult issues comes up when you're dealing with gift-giving cultures like China, and we always get pressure from the business side, and Russia uh, also has a strong gift-giving culture, um, and India has uh, as well. And these are also difficult uh, countries in which to operate. And you're obviously in China, you're going to most likely be dealing with the um, you know, government officials, and uh, there's going to be expectations of certain gifts. Um, so Chinese business culture is based on rela- relationships, or guanji as it's called, and uh, they're formed in part by giving gifts and doing favors. So... Um, I see more and more the companies are tailoring their otherwise global policies and thresholds to local requirements, local like giving uh, businesses in China or Russia a little bit more flexibility on the thresholds. Um, and then on the other hand, I've seen it go back the other way where companies are just saying, no, we're going to apply the same policies across the board, uh, all across China, all across, uh, including China and uh, our global operations. Um, I think uh, sometimes you have to balance here in terms of local conditions uh, in facilitating the business uh, relationship. It's a hard, uh, it's a hard thing to balance. Um, and if you're going to make local accommodations, you got to make sure that you also um, ensure that it's clearly understood why this is occurring and don't make this, uh, you know, a demonstration that this is going to occur on a regular basis across the board. So um, some other policy design considerations because of the, well, you just talked about global versus local policy, um, is, is to make sure that we have uh, a software solution because I'm going to advocate here that we automate this process. That's sort of the cutting edge uh, area right now is uh, automation with GMET and then record keeping and keeping track of everything. And that makes it much, much easier, trust me. Um, you could, the more data you can collect in this process, the better for analysis. And it's easier to do prospective approvals when you can, for example, get um, through automated uh, solutions, you can get uh, notification of a proposed expenditure in advance. So that's something uh, to think about. And you can also collect more uh, data uh, as well. And you can aggregate the data, you can track patterns, and you can apply your rules consistently the more that you automate. Um, and so what automation gives you a lot more visibility into what's going on in this particular uh, area. It's uh, obviously increasingly common in other areas, including third-party due diligence. And the more that we see the compliance profession stretching into automation, uh, the better in my view. And uh, so there are solutions out there that should be looked at uh, and uh, implementing rules that flag Uh, anomalies can come up, you can set up approval requirements, and you can facilitate a process for more visibility among managers, finance, 
and, and, and force the collection of more data. And then you can do analytics, which is even better. Uh, and then you adjust it towards your risk. So uh, you want to also uh, differentiate between different types of gifts, meals, and entertainment. For example, obviously travel questions or gift issues may be different when you're dealing with government officials versus uh, dealing with uh, private uh, industry as well. And you may have different policies with regard to that. So my uh, key piece of advice here is look for automated solutions. They are, they are out there. There are uh, good solutions for you to find, and it's worth uh, taking a look at that. Well, thanks, everybody. I know this is a little bit long uh, today on the gifts, meals, and entertainment. There's a lot here, and it's worth uh, spending some more time on it. But don't get lost in the details. Don't get lost in sort of the lower-level uh, types of operations. Look for automation. Leverage the automation just like you do in third-party due diligence. Uh, and I think you'll find that there are some pretty good solutions uh, out there. Thanks again for listening to Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Please subscribe to the podcast series. The Volkoff Law Group believes that every company should have a robust ethics and compliance program. Experience and research show that ethical companies are better performers in the global marketplace. At ethical companies, employees believe in the company, they feel vested, and are more productive. As a result, misconduct rates are much lower and financial performance is higher. We can help you achieve these benefits through an effective ethics and compliance program. You can learn more about our commitment in this area at our website, www.folkhofflaw.com, our award-winning law, Corruption, Crime, and Compliance, and our podcast series. Please feel free to contact me anytime at my email address, mvolkhoff at folkhofflaw.com. Let us know how we can help you achieve.